consumption of the TOOL Network. This is Laser Needs number 66, The Shadow of Death. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono. And this is Thief Sentai Lupin Ranger versus Police Sentai Pot Ranger, episode 13, The Best and Worst Day Off, and episode 14, The Trap is Set. Our episode writer for 13 was Arakawa Naruhisa, and for 13, our director was Sugihara Teruaki. For 14, it was Komura Junko writing and Katsuhiro Yuki directing. Nice. And I would like to go and write into things. Congratulate Toei for making this just a really stressful week in Tokusatsu between the end of episode 14 and what was going on over in Kamen Rider Build, which we'll talk about next week. And I think the end of... You know, 14 in general is kind of really what I want to focus on. That's fair. Because this is the first Sentai, probably since Gokaiger, that's had me really invested in its red. Or, in Lupat's case, one of its reds. I feel as though I'm kind of in a general minority, but with the exception of me liking and caring about Toma way more than Sakuya, I, I mean, tend look, to... fair. It is. Um, but I tend to prefer the Pot Rangers to their Lupin analogs. Um, as much as I do love the Lupin Rangers, I adore them. But I feel like this comes as no surprise with Tsukasa because, you know, most of you have been here a while, and we all know I have a type and what my type is. And it's Tsukasa. And, but the thing I didn't expect was this show to build such a deep fondness for Keichiro in me. And I don't know why that is, because I absolutely adore Zenigata and the nuance of his character, but I didn't expect Keitro to really be much more than the surface archetype of Zenigata. Just, you know, loud and dedicated to the law and dead set on catching that darn Lupin red. But then they start giving all these little reasons as to why he's the way he is. And all of these little bits of who he is just outside of catching the Lupin Rangers. Like, he loves kids and he wants them to believe in justice and want to fight for justice but not go get themselves hurt. And, you know, he's he's very in tune with his teammates and he notices what stresses them out and how they relieve their stress. And he cares about people who want to pursue justice and he, you know, wants to encourage people that are working hard to become police officers and he's always been this way since he was a little kid and had this encounter with a policeman catching a local criminal before they could hurt anyone in in their community and it made him know what he wanted to do with himself and the kind of person he wanted to be and Komura's last read Yamato back in Zuojur was on the better side of a string of kind of weak reds in in my opinion or at least reds that I cared about less than everyone else on their team. I mean, look, again, fair. We've had we've had a pretty rough run of them. Yeah, like, Yamato was an interesting character on his own, but the show wanted to make him more, like, the main character TM than Yamato seemed to want to be. He was very much more about, like, look at these cool animal people living in my house. And the show's like, here, have another power-up. Basically, yeah. And I I grew to like Lucky over the course of Q-Ranger. But I was never all that invested in his story or his narrative. 
And it was kind of the same way with Wright and Hiromu, and I loved them. And, you know, I never had that struggle struggle to like them that I did with Lucky in the beginning. But I was yeah, kind Lucky of... Lucky was rough. Yeah, but I was, I was always kind of more interested in the other members of their team. In Hiromu's case, I loved Cheetah Nick. But, like, oh, I, I liked Ryuji, and I liked the, the home base team a lot, and I loved Wagon and Akira and, like, Tokadi. And it's as much as I loved Wright and Hiromu, other people seemed more interesting. There was never a single moment in which I cared about Daigo. I'm just gonna put that out there. I never cared about Daigo, and that's just how it is with Daigo. I've seen, like three episodes and the crossover movie with Tokyo. And from what I've seen there, I can't see a reason why you would. I don't actually remember the Red's name in Ninja, is even though I watched I only watched seven episodes. So maybe that's why. I can't even remember his name. And yeah. I definitely cared about everyone else more than him. But Komura's really onto something with Keitro, I think. And I think that characters like him are really what Komura's good at. Like, Yamato was a good character, but a little out of his depth in the story. But he and Tusk and, and Toma and Keichiro all seem to have a little more effort put into them, or at least she seems to care about them more than the loud comic relief guys like Sakuya and Leo. And she really only seems to know how to do one joke for them. And it's a bad joke. And I feel like she just doesn't really want to do it. It does kind of read that way. It feels very phoned in. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, phoning it in, never a good look. On the other hand, I get it. And, you know, as much as Kyrie is supposed to be that hot-blooded, reckless, cool guy Red that comes from a tradition of Reds like Marvelous, who was, you know, the last Red that I was really excited about, and as much as the Lupin Rangers seem to be the more narratively dominant team, as you know, as much as they've done a great job kind of balancing that out at this point, they're still more the core of the narrative. Komura doesn't seem to know what to do with Kairi. He's got all of his angst over his brother that, you know, comes out of this perception of living in his shadow. And I guess he played basketball. But otherwise, you know, he falls kind of flat. I don't really know much about who he is or what he wants beyond this goal of bringing his brother back. But the other five members of the team, the two teams, for better or for worse, I know what they're about. You know, Toma wants to open this restaurant. Uh, Tsukasa is really into stuffed animals. Sakuya's gross. But Kairi's just kind of there and I don't feel like I know him at all and that surprises me when putting him up against Keichiro who at this point in the series I feel like okay I know him very thoroughly you don't need to tell me a single thing more about him go ahead and do if you want to but like he's he's really well fleshed out at this point and I'd love to sit and do like a really thorough analysis of the different types of reds in Sentai and how their archetypes have evolved leading up to, you know, the different red archetypes that are up against each other in Lupin Ranger versus Pot Ranger. You know, hint, hint about that Patreon, guys, if that's a thing you'd be interested in. And, you know, I, I too would love that, because a taxonomy of reds sounds like it would be a really fun thing to get into. Especially since, like, it, it at least give me reason to 
sort of look back on the ones I've seen, because I would then have to go in and remember the name of that kid from Nininger, who kept trying to be Gentro from Forza, and ne never got there. Just never got there. Uh, so, too, like, since we're talking about stuff we'd like to do, but, you know, time, tide, and you know, just life gets in the way, um, we might, and, you know, look, we might have to just make a make space for this one anyway. Uh, a, an episode about Heisei Generation's final would be really sweet, because I know we both just saw it, and it's out on overtime, and I know this is our Sentai coverage, dear listener, but... If if you haven't seen it by the time this is out, um, Overtime's got a version ready. And if you've been a fan of the post-decade rider years, you could do a lot worse. That's fair. Rider Tyson GP exists, and it's a lot worse. Um, but you know, <laughs> That's, whew, to say the least, <laughs> I'm I'm never gonna stop calling that movie out. That's look, I okay. Minor tangent. I found out. Someone I follow on Twitter, they're locked, so I'm not going to mention the name, but is a colossal fan of Common uh, Rider Black, and and RX just thinks that Minami Kotaro is the dude, which you know, look reasonable. They're right. Haven't haven't even watched those yet. Still, I know reasonable. Yeah, and and they were like, so I'm thinking about maybe I should check out. This, this last crossover movie he was in, because it'd be cool to see, like, a new thing with him in it. I'm just like, don't do it, man. Love yourself. Here, here's, here is where the HD versions of Black and RX are on Yah. Just, here, take these, watch those instead, because you know those are good. You really don't want me to watch that, do you? I'm begging you. Look, I was really excited for that movie, and much like everything else in Drive, it just stabbed me right in the guts, and not in in the good way that Heisei Final does. Because um, I mean, all they had I... to do was have wacky races with with Ryder. Yeah, literally, like it. It's hard for me to believe that I'm. I didn't like a movie that has Tachibana in it. But you you bring back Kamen Rider Garen, you bring back Amano Kose who has been on the lock screen of my phone for, like, five years. <laughs> like, a, a picture from a Blade photo book. Because I love Tachibana Sakuya so much. And you bring him back and make him, like, a focal character in this movie. And I hate this movie. It's so bad. But I would love to spend a couple hours crying over Heisei Final with you, honestly. Because, you know, I watched it last night. And I admit that as much as I talk a big game about how... My feel what my feelings on Ozar, I've got more emotions in me for Aegean Ankh than even I realized I still had. I mean, look, when when they're when they meet back up and they're like looking at each other, were you also like, guys, just kiss already? Yeah. Just hug. Oh my god. Please. Just, you he you both need this so much. And by you, I do mean you, but also me. I need this. We all need this. But, you know, speaking of, of the concept of a Patreon, we've gotten a couple listeners come to us with some really positive feedback of the idea. So, like, guys, if you'd like to hear us do more than just, you know, breakdowns of two episodes every week, let us know this is a thing you'd be interested in, because we'd love to be bringing you more content. You know, we... A Heisei Final special. I've still got that Dr. Pac-Man special that one day I'll finish editing. 
this this episode on on reds there's tons of stuff we would love to do if we had like if one we knew you guys were interested in us doing it and two you know we had the the support yeah because it's it's good it's fun it's also it's a thing you got to take time out for but um to to get away from there uh, and and sort of to get to my thoughts on the thing, so we could move right along. Because goodness knows we could, I could just start talking about ASA final for a year. I mean, look, you you hit a lot of the stuff I was picking up because it's nothing against thirteen. It was a good episode. I have a lot less to say because I mean it's it's a good episode. But so since you got the big stuff, I'm just gonna make a smaller, kind of less interesting observation because it's episode fourteen, right? And I feel like by now in a lot of the, the more recent Sentai series, we'd already have our extra hero introduced, and it'd throw off the balance of freaking everything. And even as I'm rather certain that we're gonna get a seventh member of the show at some point, or I guess eighth if we count Goody, but he doesn't wear a costume... You know, he's not a suit actor he in a does, costume, because he does kind of wear a costume. He does wear he does wear two costumes. Yeah, but he's you know, not like not like the Lupots do. Uh so I just I'm I'm just really excited about the fact that even if they're coming later, because I don't keep up with the magazine scans, so maybe they've already been announced. I I don't know. I've been good at avoiding them and or people have been good about not putting them in front of me. I appreciate both. So we, we haven't been obvious with a seventh member yet, and I'm okay with that. And that's not only because, frankly, the, the extra hero isn't necessary in most series, but also because in this series in particular, we really don't need one. It'd just be doing it just to do it. It's a tradition that you do just because it's a tradition, and that's no fun. A third narrative thread would kind of mess this show up, and... Frankly, finding someone who hates his amigo more than the Lupin Rangers, or who is hunting some as-yet-unseen baddie that the Pat Rangers, quote, should, end quote, be focusing on more, would just throw things off for me, because this show doesn't need it. I'd done some research on this recently, and on this, I mean, when the sixth archetype usually shows up, and these days, on average... Uh, it's around episode 17, with a few exceptions in recent years that are usually the much bigger teams. Usually. And, you know, going going by Heisei as defined by Kamen Rider, uh, because that's the easiest way to do it, and also because I haven't seen much earlier than that, um, Abare Killer does first appear at 17, uh, but Tetsu in Deca Ranger was 22, Maji Ranger, uh, Maji Shine was 20, uh, A.G. in Bokenger is introduced in 17, but debuts as Boken Silver two episodes later in 19. And then uh, Geki Violet arrives in episode 22. But the Go-On Wings arrive in episode 16, and it tends to stay around 16, 17, up until Go Busters, uh, where it's 14. And Uchi and Kinji both appear in episode 8, and I don't know what Ninja's excuse for that was. <laughs> But, you know, Kyoryuja, for all that I'm not super into it, I do love Uchi, but that's a team with, like, ten people yeah. on it. Uh, so, you know, I can kind of get... They kind of introduce them every handful of episodes. 
But Akira and Misao still hit the normal episode 17, and Surugi, who is the archetypal sixth for Q-Ranger, didn't join until episode 21, when he decided to kneecap the catharsis of Stinger's plotline in order to force his way into the show. the worst. Just the worst. But Zhao did join the team in episode 9, and Kotaro joined in episode 10, so we did add them in a little bit earlier. So we're likely to get some kind of additions in the very near future. Okay. Uh, you know, the next three to five episodes. But, you know, thankfully I also have not seen any leaks. Thank you. So I don't know that if they're coming, what form or context they will take upon their arrival. But I apologize for the long-winded sort of well-actually this was. I just find that evolution of the timing to be really interesting. And that's another thing I'd love to do a special episode on, possibly as part of a larger examination of the evolution of Sixth and Extra Rangers. I mean, that'd be fun. Again, like... So, you know, there's there's another show we could do if that's something people are into. Especially since we'd have to, like, stop and talk about Burai, and that'd be, a, that'd be fun. I don't know a ton yeah. about uh, Zhu Ranger, but... I've, I've watched it, and it's good, and... Burai's a good dude. Right on. But I know, like, after how well he went over, they just never stopped. It's like, nope, we're we're keeping this idea. I mean, then then we do get, I don't even remember his name in Die Ranger. Oh, yeah, the what? Uh, Ranger. I want to say Key, Key Ranger, Ken Ranger. Key, um, I think it's Key Ranger because it's like half of Kiba. Or maybe it's just Kiba Ranger. Yeah. Might, I don't know. I just, they made a joke about that in Akiba was, Ranger. Yeah, all I know is he was like a very bratty ten-year-old, and I did not like him. <laughs> Had some interesting story stuff going on, did not like the way he... You remember how Kotaro was very early on in Q-Ranger with, uh, with Hammy? Yeah. He's a lot like that. Oh, that's a shame. Except he also, like, he also keeps flipping the girl's skirt up. Oh, don't like and that. And I'm like, maybe, maybe stop And I'm like, yeah, okay, it's the 90s, and things were different. But also don't. That's yeah. rude that, and gross. You know, blah, blah. I appreciate you being the one to say things were different because if I would have said it, it would have been terrible. At the same time, uh, I feel like it, as if we're all going to pretend that like, oh, but everyone recognized that women were people. Like, you don't flip up people's clothes. That's not okay. That's never okay. And like, I understand it's like, it's he's a kid, blah, blah, blah. But also, like, don't. I don't also know, don't. he was, he was, he was a pain in the butt, yeah. even if he had, but, you know, I would love, I would love to examine the sixth ranger archetype, because, and, you know, how it evolves, because we've got a wide range of sixth rangers, <clears throat> golds and silvers and oranges, like, there's, there's a pretty wide difference between, you know, Gokai Silver and Go on Gold. They're two very different dudes. I've I've long got this impression, but okay. Given given all that, I guess I'm pretty soon going to be eating my words because these because I I thought they were popping in much earlier. I must be mixing it up with Rider, where this is you know in Rider episode twelve is usually around when the secondary Rider shows up. So. But you know, whatever. I'm just, I'm just saying that these episodes really highlight how good this show already is at having a narrative flow. To me, it doesn't require that extra thing. I mean, look, whatever. It's 
probably going to happen, but the fact that our heroes are always fighting battles on multiple fronts, it's just so good. And if slash when we get that extra character, much as I'm sure they'll be well-written and work with the cast, because problems of the greater narrative aside, like Misao brought a lot to Zhu Oger. I really liked how she did Misao. But I, on top of everything else, like again, I think it'll be well-written, whoever it is. I just... The most obvious kinds of extra heroes we could have in, in Lupat, for me anyway, are going to be... The inversion, like, what's the standard one anymore? Like, a, a playful inversion of the main characters. In in Tokyujer, uh, we fight the Shadow Lie, and we're a bunch of, of good kids. Well, here's an adult monster, and he is one of the Shadow Line people who just wants to be a good dude. And that's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of a play on it. So, uh, you know, instead of in Juojer, instead of an animal person, or a human who hangs out with them. It is a human who has multiple animal people forcibly put into his soul and also DNA. And so that means, for to me, the most obvious things would be like a double agent thief, or a dirty hairy-esque police officer. And I don't think we need either of those. Like, it just muddy the waters of a show that is already so very good. But since, like, I'm just already putting a bad taste in my mouth, let's get to our problems and nitpicks with these episodes so we can just move on to the good stuff, because there's a lot of good stuff in these episodes. Okay, so this is minor-ish, because I get that Gauche and Nayo are supposed to be kind of this weird foil for Tsukasa and Umika in, in episode 13 to show, you know... Girls supporting each other is a way better way of doing anything and getting anywhere than girls tearing each other down. And I'm here for that. That's great. But man, I just hate that catty stereotype of girls fighting over a guy, even if in this case fighting over a guy is more fighting over who gets to work for him. Because one way or another, they're still technically fighting over Dograño. And I'm just kind of like... Nah. Yeah, no, that's maybe don't. That's fair. I mean, again, I, I will say I agree with you, and at the same time, I at least appreciate them trying to put a fig leaf over it because it's it's functionally the same thing, but at least they're putting on oh for a job and not for romance, which I mean, it doesn't fix it, but it is. I at least appreciate that they didn't go romantic. It's better. Yeah. it's not good. But... It's better. But there's still that whole bit of, you know, them making fun of each other's clothes. Yes, and it's not good. This and that. And I'm just like, maybe... Look, you're maybe both don't. accomplished monster ladies. Team up. End him. Also, I don't know why Tsukasa and Umika are so embarrassed about running each into, like, running into each other at the, like, scavenger hunt game. It's like, you're both obviously here for a stuffed animal. Like, I, you're not going to be making fun of each other for it. And I get that Umika was like, crud, I am trying to hide from the cops. I do not want to spend the day with her uh, because she could somehow maybe figure out that I am Lupin Yellow. But like Sukasa, she's here for the same reason as you. Why are you embarrassed? Yeah, it's, it's really silly, but weird ingrained shame about harmless interests. Look, it's a terrible thing, and I guess our Suka our girl Sukasa was just sorely afflicted by it. 
I, goodness knows, I know lots of people with equally benign interests who are so ashamed to admit them. It's fair. I'm just like, you don't need to be because she's here for the same thing. Yeah, no, it's true. But it's... It's like, it's it's okay, Sukasa. That's how shame works. Shame is self-reinforcing. That's how... It's just diabolical. Yep. So I, I really hope that by the end of the series she can learn that she can be hard as nails and adore snugly stuffed animals. It, if, if she needs to, she can just play it off Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine style. If anything bad happened to this stuffed animal, I would kill everyone in this room and then myself. Like, just, you can be hardcore and adore snuggly things. It's true. In fact, honestly, it makes you more hardcore. Because if you basically say, hey, what's up, here is my big red soft spot like what's more hardcore than that right again i i at least appreciate that like katra is like oh it's not weird it's just a thing why would that be weird Good co-worker and friend and you know we we will get into the fact that he is the best and speaking of 14 i have i've apparently got nothing yeah no it was look it was a really solid episode and speaking of well, I mean, we'll get to it. First, got to talk about 13, which that sounds like I'm I'm being bad about 13. 13 was quite good. It's just that 14 was... Yeah. And anyway, let's let's start on, on 13 and talk about the many good things that it had. It's nice to see Tsukasa being given paid time off. Explicitly stated paid time off because she's putting in a lot of hard work and overtime. And I appreciate that their office respects their employees' needs for self-care. Yeah. No kidding. Especially given how there are a lot of numbers out there which show that people just do not get to use their earned time off because many workplaces are understaffed and therefore overworked. Or have an environment which low-key punishes people for taking advantage of their employment benefits. So, you know. This office is understaffed. It is four people and a robot. But just, I'm just really happy for Tsukasa. Taking that time off, I just I just hope she requests another off day later, or they give her credit for this one, because uh, this is basically the same as being called into work. And what sucks more than having to go to work on a day when you're on vacation, he asked, absolutely knowing how incredibly frustrating that can be. Yeah, like, I sincerely hope that Hilltop, good guy that he is, is like, Hey, Sukasa, here's two paid days off work, because literally work came to you on your day off. Sorry about and that. And look, since, since his surprised reactions to things are to go to American-inflected English, I feel, like, I feel like they're saying he's American, I feel like he's coded that way. He knows a thing or two, about, at least he probably knows a thing or two, about not living in a place that has any sort of guaranteed paid days or any sort of guarantee that you will be able to take advantage of said paid days, I bet that dude has her back hard on this one. Yeah. I love Commander Hilltop. Just, I do too. Like, he hasn't got to do anything massive, but all the little things they have him doing have just added up, and I adore him. I do love how they try and fake us out with, you know, the the guys suggesting, oh, maybe Sukasa has a date, and then cutting to Sukasa like, looking in a mirror, making sure she looks nice. And as she's doing that, my immediate reaction was, what plush have you been eyeing that you're going out to buy? <laughs> I mean, I figured... And especially because I was completely <laughs> right. 
Like, look, I know this girl and I know what she's about. And she ain't here for romance. She just wants cute stuff. Though I will say, if she was gonna have a date, I, I'm glad that Umiko was, at least according to the script writers, gonna be her date. I know that that's the joke, but I'm gonna take it all the same. Because um, Umika deserves some to be around some people who aren't garbage. And... Yeah, like, look, she's she's now been on a date with Sakuya and Tsukasa, yeah, yeah. and Tsukasa did, did a not, much better job. Was not a super creeper, and also kind of showed that she is, like, it's one of those uh, Utena things, where it's just like, yeah, she can be my prince. And, you know, speaking speaking of Umika, I appreciate her just getting to take a day off, too, and... Like, both guys not complaining about it and just acknowledging, like, yeah, we're absolutely useless without her here Which, doing the look, entire front of the house. Working, working, being the front of the house, that is not a small job. That poor girl. No, it's not. And we've seen that it's hard yeah, for her. What is his Do job? your job, Kyrie. He's, but I he's assume always just he's a waiter. Talking with people and, like, look, I get wanting to do that. You can't do that. That's very irresponsible. But he also, like, just leaves. Okay, also, a uh, related kind of small tangent. Like, I know that I, I have to agree with you that I don't know Kyrie as a dude as well as I'd like yet, but it does occur to me that in the first few episodes of our Lupat coverage, I was saying how I wasn't sure that the actor was there yet, um, and, and I know we haven't seen a ton of him lately, but what with the other people getting focused and all, but I do want it on the record that in this relatively brief period he got there i think he's he's actually a lot of fun he the the weird i feel like he's gotten past okay i am saying these words and making this face and he's got into acting and it's very it's very nice to see that he got there yeah he's he's definitely figured out even if i haven't yeah. figured it out he has figured out who kyrie is and that helps like i feel like I feel like that took yes, Lucky's did. actor a while. It it took him a while to figure out who Lucky that kid is. In and I feel never like that's did. kind of the stumbling block. Like I feel like that's kind of the stumbling block with some of these younger actors is just it takes them a little while longer to get their character. And that's why I was really yeah. impressed with all the Forze kids. Showed up day man, one. They they out got the it gate. very quickly. So like I'm proud of those kids. But it's definitely, he knows who Kyrie is and what's going on with him, even if we don't yet. Uh, Tsukasa trying to be brave in the haunted house because she knows she's supposed to be, like, the big, tough police officer. But she's just, she can't do all the creepy gore. That was real cute. And how she's trying to be brave. And she's like, oh, if you're scared, you can hold my hand. Because if, you, if you're scared... I don't need it, but like it just—it adds this layer to who she is. Again, especially outside of being Patsango, and I appreciate these levels of character development. And I mean, again, you know, Sakuya could use another layer or two that isn't just he yeah, a, wants a second personality to be a lot of girls. Would not go amiss. And, you know, it, it was also nice to see Umika be the brave one for her and try and comfort her. Uh, because she knows it doesn't make her less of a strong cop. And she's just like, oh yeah, no, my friend and I used to do this, and I'm not as scared by plastic skeletons. So I'm used to, you know, kind of being the handholder. And that's cool, that's fine. 
Like, she just, she loved her friend also, I, and, and she just Susa, wants to support that, them both. That whole scene was so good. And I, I love how human they both get to be here. Like, yeah, there's fear, but there's also bravery. There's kindness and compassion. And there's there's just all these things that come together to make it so, while I already liked them quite a bit, now I like them quite a bit more. They're just, I love these two characters. And I'm glad that they wrote them in such a way that they bounce off each other and comment on each other and play off each other in these really fun, interesting ways. It was so good. And, you know, it is Arakawa. He he wrote the Twin Cam Angel episode of Deca Ranger, and he comes out of this early Heisei tradition of the girls will have their kind of girl adventure episode. And we've kind of been lacking in those the past few years. I like, don't think so. Q-Ranger, I don't think, had one. And Kyoryuger definitely didn't have one. The closest it had was both of the girls being jealous of the movie girl. Uh, because you can't everyone's in love rolling, with Daigo. But I assure you they are. Uh, Zuoger's girls yeah. episode was bad. I, I thankfully and I managed still to blank like it, it out. Except for... How is it that we still, at the end of your your girls party episode, uh, we still don't know anything about Amu? I'm so, it, it was the okay, one where Solo went on a date yeah. with Date. Boo. I assume that's the only episode that yeah, was specifically true. about oh, the boo, two of them interacting. Thing. I mean, always gonna um, see Date again. So it's it's bad. He's getting work and still yeah, devastatingly attractive. But very true. Um, and I don't know about Ninja. I don't know if Ninja had one because I, I only I, watched it's, seven it's episodes. It's such a mediocre series. It just bounced right off me. But did Tokyuger have specifically a Mio and Kagura episode? I don't remember one, and I know they had a lot of individual episodes that were very good. And there was a lot yeah. of a couple episodes about Mio and Gritta where, you know, they kind of parallel the two of them, but I don't remember, you know, a yellow-pink episode think for the train girls. there was one exactly. Like, I, this, this is one of those things where, a te- where I'd have to go back and rewatch because there's, there's some, like, very fiddly and specific things I'd have to look for, but all that aside, I definitely felt some kind of way that, okay, you remember the gold train armor upgrade thing? I definitely know... All the dudes yes. got to have individual episodes where, you know, they built up their their fantasy imagination emotion power so that they could wear it and have the big explosion. I I was very vexed that the that the girls had to share theirs. That's I don't right. I do not Why know. I, did I they feel do like that? that was the one that was their uh pink and yellow adventure, but I don't remember much about that episode. Yeah, I, yeah look, I don't remember it's, what happens it's not, in it. It's not me being against them being friends or sharing things, because I think that's cool. But it's just one of those things where I would I would like that in addition to them getting their individual shots with it. But, because, like, look, I, I appreciate that, you know, it's cool that we have the, the, girl, the girls hanging out and having an adventure episode. But at the same time, like, no, but also give them their individual shots with the power-up because the power-up is, like, a big plot element. It's just a shame they had to share that particular spotlight. But, you know, in in the case of this episode, it's nice to see an old standard of a Sentai trope played yeah. well again for yeah, the no, first time been, in a yeah. hot minute. Because, I mean, like, I guess the closest you'd get in Go Busters is the wedding episode because, like, Escape is in that. 
but there's only one girl ever on that team. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm not a fan of Gokaijers. It's one of the reasons I don't like Luca, is because of the episode w- of, with her and Ahim about Luca's sister. I, it's yeah, I can kind of see that. Is that the one with the money tree? And I don't... Yeah, okay, I... No, that's episode like five. This is this is the, this is the one about like no, Luca's yeah, sister that. and how she died on the their planet and, and how Luca's like forcing kind of forcing him to I be mean. the analog yeah, for her no. sister. Yeah, no, that's and, fair. Like, I mean, especially me given bit. that you are not um, on board with Luca and her whole way of doing things, which I'm not. I'm not insulting you there. I get it. When you lay it out, when you lay it out the way you have. I understand where you're coming from. It's I tried. I wanted to. But she uh made it real hard. But it's it's nice to see that, you know, Ghostsager is probably the last time that I enjoyed one of these episodes and it's good to get to enjoy one again because I love the women of Sentai. Um, and as as much as I love the depth that it gives Tsukasa that she's scared of haunted houses, I appreciate how easily she transitions back into, okay, turning off the fiction, it's time to protect people, when, you know, workers in the haunted house are hurt and they're like, oh man, it's a gangler. She's like, oh, okay, no more of this, time for work. The moment she realizes, wait, this isn't actual zombies, this is just some criminal, you know, she just cocks the gun, game on, mother fricker, let's do this. It's She's like great. they say in Nightmare Before Christmas, the whole fun of like Halloween and haunted houses is that you get scared by them. Mm. That's the fun part, even though it's obviously fake. And Tsukasa knows it's fake, even though, you know, she probably wouldn't go into one of these on her own. But she knows it's fake and it still creeps her out. But she knows how to turn that off when reality is more urgent and yep. needs her attention. Because she's a professional Gosh darn it. She does. She knows And I love the whole bit of like, okay, well, we need her weapon to cut the chain, so we're just gonna hold it up, and if one of us loses an arm, no blaming each other for that. Like, that's that's a cute bit. First off, yes it is, and I really appreciate the level of hardcore they let everyone keep when they're confronted with their erstwhile enemies. Like, everyone knows the score, once it's over, it's back to cops and robbers, and, I don't know, it was really good. And it also led to some really good fight. Just the way they moved when they were attached to each other, just swinging around, doing you know, wall running and all that. I just continue to be so happy by the action direction on it this show. Really I good. really hope that they lean into this for the foreseeable. Because, as we've observed, like, look, the robots, they're just kind of there. And there's only so much you can do with computers. you They need to do the camera and have people do tumbles and stuff. And I I really appreciate also in that moment how they play out how dedicated Sukasa is to protecting people, which is, you know, a thing they do across both of these episodes with Sukasa and Keichiro. And it's not about stopping the bad guys. It's about making sure innocent people don't get hurt. And that she has all of this remorse that she let any amount of people get hurt in the first place, especially everyone who's, you know, died. Even if it wasn't something that she has always had the power to stop, she can't be everywhere. And, but, you know, she's still like, I hate that this happened and that I couldn't do anything about it. And, you know, through the solidarity of these two women in the show we've brought the opposing teams closer together. 
we have, which again, sort of bounce off what I was just saying. Like, yeah, they both know the score, but at the same time, the score is that their goals aren't unrelated, even if their methods are at loggerheads for the most part, because what do they both want? They both want no more no more Zamigo and for these ganglers to frickin' stop. Once the ganglers don't have the Lupin collection, they'll still have power, but they won't have that much power. They they will at the very least they'll be easier to stop, and that's good for everyone. Win win win. Also, circling circling back to what you just said, I love like the out of suit tag team fighting that Umika and Sukasa do yeah. in this episode. And I love how proud Sukasa was of them, even if like she kind of goes in for that high five and then stops herself and is like, nope, wait, this is business. I'm oh, not yeah, we're not allowed to be friends. It's like, nah, you're you're friends. Yeah, they are. I mean, I think she they're the they're the part of of Zenigata that's just like Alright, Lupin, I'll work with you on this one, and then you're going to jail. Alright, sure. Sure thing, Pops. I want to see them have that exchange. Because they've they've earned it the most. And I mean, they've they've really got me when Umika uses Sukasa as a shield. I can't believe they had me for a second, but they did. And for that second, I was honestly really heartbroken. Understandable. Until and you know the the lizard brain part of me is like no it's 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 a trick, and it is, and but I'm just like no but they just had this moment. <laughs> How could you do this? And then it's like oh no of course it was a plan. I mean it does raise some questions about the Lupot suits that Umika somehow got that mask under her dress and yeah. also what the heck that mask is made of that it could withstand that. But, like, it was a great plan. It was really it was. good. It was a it was. really good moment. It was, yeah, it was kind of shocking, because like you say, you know it's a trick, but also, oh dang, she just, she just took a hit. Or rather, she just pulled that girl in front of her to take a hit for her, like, dang. Also, I'm kind of thinking those masks are going to end up being like some kind of magic loop and stuff. And I would not mind the slightest if that became a plot point at some point. I don't know. I just look if the robot is a part of the Lupin collection, so the so are the masks. It'd be fun. I don't know. It all it all makes sense, and that whole moment is just a split second. But there's so much in it, and it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Naruhisa Arakawa, right? Yeah. Look, <laughs> that that whole bit like immediately right after Rotomika. Toma grabs Umika with the, the like, claw thing that they've got and kind of flips her up onto the fire escape. Was Like, that was really cute. But also, like, hey, Kairi, Sukasa's not in her suit and is also already injured and right there. Like, maybe be careful about where you're throwing the giant boomerang and blowing up a monster. Yeah, no kidding. That's, yeah, this, I, I appreciate that this is a Kuga where the, the monster blast radius is quite the thing it is in Kuga. But still, like, that thing is really pyrotechnic. That's, that, that is a very undefended woman. Watch it, like, dude. Like, it, it came right up on her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in, like, lighter news, I really love the fake out that, because I had forgotten that the, the lady at the ticket booth was talking about one of these stuffed toys. And I, I just, I love that Umika got 
the wrong one for Sukasa, and that she doesn't like Red Panda. She likes Pigtato. I love Pigtato. I just I'm I I don't know. I feel like Red Panda is is legitimately the cooler one. Red Panda is very cute. I love both of them. Yeah. No, look, I'm not saying either one's bad. I'm just saying I would go for Red Panda. Well, I mean, look, I would also go for Red Panda because bread. But Pigtato is great. Yeah, Pigtato is pretty great. Alright, so we've done 13. That's our our appetizer. Let's get to the main course of this episode. Oh, I've... I felt so bad for Keitra when he's he goes and he tries to encourage the kid and he's all happy and they're like, Oh no, Keitra really he's like he just really likes kids and he's like, No, I like the Lupin Rangers and just runs off. Alright, first off I gotta say, that kid's you know, like I know it's it's a costume made by the costuming department. They did a really good job making it look like construction paper and like crepe paper and tape. The kid made a really good costume. I felt so bad for Keichiro that he's like, no, look, kid dressed up as Lupin Red, my kind of arch nemesis. You, you listen to me, the cop. And and that just leads into my favorite thing. Because, like, look, I don't, I cannot express how much I love when, when there's like, hey, here's a dude who is legitimately cool. Like, look, Keichiro, even if I thought he was kind of square before this episode. I can't deny, he's really cool, and in that universe, no matter what you think, he's a superhero. You would think he was pretty cool. And he wants to, like, impress the kid and use his influence and charisma to help to help the kid just like, yeah, you know, get on my side, be impressed. And the kid is like, no, your archenemy is way cooler than you are, dude. <laughs> like, that is, that is so real. Because... <laughs> That kid doesn't, like, the kid has not yet developed the capacity to be like, I should care what this total stranger thinks. That's, that's kids, they like what they like, and they will not pretend. Uh, it just, it brings me back to the opening of Ghostbusters 2. The, not not the reboot, but the the, the sequel to the original. And just, Ray and Winston, they're, they're doing birthday parties, because that's all they can do. And they're like, yeah, hey, here we are, we're the Ghostbusters, we're awesome. And just the kid's like, we wanted He-Man! You guys suck! Where's He-Man? And I'm like, that, like, it has been a favorite thing of mine for decades, I love it. And I mean, look, look, even as someone a little bit more partial to the Lupin Rangers, because I admit I am a sucker for folks who are that kind of hashtag cool, I know it's blatant manipulation, I know that they are just broadcasting how cool they are. I still buy it. Um, at the same time, this was the best way to get me on Keichiro's side. Because the Lupins aren't going to go through everything Keichiro is about to just to make sure some kids get to go on their field trip. Especially after one of those kids insulted him to his dang face. <laughs> like, you can't tell me a lesser person would not be. I mean... I want you guys to be able to go on your field trip, but but this little kid here, I ain't gonna try too hard. I got paperwork to do. Ciao. Him him going so hard after that kid just insulted him to his face. That is some dedication. I mean, I know they play it like, oh yeah, he just he's gonna earn that kid's respect, but no, he's like one 
no, you're not gonna. You know you're not gonna. But two, he doesn't care. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need the respect of a little child. He has justice on his side. And justice demands that these little kids not be denied their stupid frickin' field trip where they're gonna talk about how much he sucks. Because you know they're gonna. It, it's so good. It's so good. I love it. And it, it was cool to see Jim and Hilltop getting really involved in this case and helping and communicating yeah. with the team. Even though they were still in the base, they got to, they actually got some play this time around, and that was cool to see. It really was. I'm, I'm really happy that we get all these bits of the, the back at base crew. Like, I'm glad they get stuff to do, because there's a lot of them where I feel like the, the, the home crew, or whatever you're going to call, like, the support people... They're just kind of there. And a lot of mentors have been doing that lately, and it just, it kind of sucks. And and so when we get this thing where we bring him back up, we give him stuff to do, like, he's got a role to play in the show, and it's a multifaceted one, and I appreciate that. I Though I have to say, like, I seriously want him and and Jim to get to do a case together. Like, just one whole episode like, Lupin Rangers are there, Pat Rangers are there, but mostly it's just, it's just Hilltop and, and Jim Cotta just getting out there solving a crime. It was, in, in Go Busters, I was a lot more invested in Kuroki and the base team uh, than I probably had any right to be, but I really loved them, and I'm always like, oh, I wanted more of them, I wanted more of them. And that was why I really liked the Eraseroid episode the first time it happened. Because, uh, you know, he snuck into the base and it was the three of them and they had to run around and catch him and deal with that. And then, you know, Mochiroid happens and it's the same episode. And I'm like, this is... we didn't need this. But, like, that's what I want for them. I want something to happen where that gangler that can turn himself tiny... Like, he sneaks into the police station to start messing stuff up, and, you know, Hilltop and Jim have got to deal with it because the the Lupin, the the Pot Rangers are out dealing with the Lupin Rangers and another gangler. It's just, it's so good. It is. I love them. Yeah. Yeah, because they're great. You know, speaking of them, I appreciate both sides of, of Keitra being like, no, I need to use this drill to, to do my job and help the people that I promised to help, and there's no time to send it to France and wait for it to come back. And then Sukasa and Hilltop being like, yo, buddy, we get that, but there's protocol here, and we definitely don't want you to die. Yeah, it's it's really good. And it's it's also a fun way, just sort of like, because we open with that kid just being like, no, you guys are lame. I like the Lupins. It it sets us up for a thing where we then get to see Keichiro, a dude who is basically the by the book king, turn into kind of a rule breaking rebel. Which I it, he's still he's still super into his job, but he he's also like he's not a cop on the edge who does things his own way, but he's a guy who definitely follows his own moral code, which I dig. It leans him more in the direction of justice than law, which I'm here mm. for. Like, yes. he's he's by the book, but to heck with the book if the book isn't putting the people first. Yeah, which, you know, legit. Here for like, that. I, 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 like when, I like that his dirty, hairy moment is, no, I'm going to go protect people. You guys worry about shooting the criminals. I'm going to go make the children happy. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's great. 
Also, the the Crush Brothers backstory kind of broke my heart a little. I mean, I know they're evil and that they, you know, when they were together in in the flashback, they were planning to do some real bad murder crimes. Uh, And that's bad. But, like, the poor dude, the poor dude was just sad that his brother got smushed by a robot. Yeah. And, like, I love that. I mean, first off, because that has been a joke about the whole Sentai thing ever since I was in sixth grade and Power Rangers happened. Just like, you guys have giant robots, smush the monster, it's fine. Well, it'll just grow anyway. Great, while it's growing, smash it. But it's also a really good way to establish that the Gangler are active on Earth, even when we aren't seeing them, which kind of makes their threat that much more present and powerful, because, yeah, there's so many of them, and they're so all over the place, you might literally trip on one. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like they're not just going out and taking turns. It's all of them are out there setting up their stuff as as other ones are executing it. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Also, speaking of, I just, I love how the Crush Brothers uh, monster motif was being wolves, wolves in sheep's clothing. That That is just amazing to me. And it, extra it good, because, hey, guess what, D&D time, that was the first monster I did in the campaign I'm running with my partner and, and and a friend of ours. Like, it's, the first monster was a wolf wearing a sheep pelt. And I'm just like, this is cool, alright, this is relevant to me personally, thank you, te- thank you, television show. They've also got a little bit of an Oni thing going on, which I assume is, you know, them being up working in the mountains. But they've got, like, the Oni hammers, and they are wearing, like, the pelts. Yeah. And it's, they've just overall got a really good design going. They really did. You wouldn't think it would work if you just described all the things going on there, like the weird the weird gas mask tube and all that. But it, it comes together so wonderfully, and I love them. And I'm so sorry they're dead. Yeah, but it is a also, shame. like you said, murder crimes. Yeah, they they were planning some bad, bad murder crimes. So, yeah, mm. yeah I mean, like, uh, cool motive, still murder. So I mentioned it briefly up at the top, but Keitro's flashback of you know trying to defend his neighborhood as a child and gaining an admiration for the police was really sweet and informs a lot of who he is as a character. Mm-hmm. Like the officer he knew as a child put himself at risk for the people in his neighborhood, even though it seems like he was likely the sort of officer who works in a police box. That was uh, which is definitely the implication I got. Yeah, yeah, because I mean he's just riding around on a bike, and that's kind of the uniform for an officer in a police box, and that's not really a thing we have stateside, and I don't really even in the western, the yeah, western we should, world. Though. It's a good idea. Like, yeah. talk about a way to make it so, I don't know, maybe the cops would be less terrible. Yeah, cause, because, I mean, for, for people face. who don't really know, I guess, aren't really familiar with that, officers who work sort of in a police box pretty much do, like, lost and found, or they'll give directions, or they'll help lost kids. Kind of, you know, Keitro's parents called the officer at the police box and like, hey, we haven't seen our son. Could you maybe look around the neighborhood and see just... If he's around. And then if he's not, then we'll get real worried and then we'll 
start dealing with it, but just, you know, check and see if he's in one of his usual places. Like, they, they're really, they do that sort of thing. And as far as I know, they're generally not doing any real crime fighting, but they're more, more of their focus is on helping people in their communities, and... Which, I mean, in fairness, if your community can hang together that way, and everyone knows, hey, there's someone who can help me out with minor things, and I don't have to call in a strike force, I have to imagine that probably heads a lot of crime off at the pass, just because... Hey, there's someone around that can help, like, talk someone down without, like, hey, this dude is having a, a rough, like, brain episode for whatever reason, as, you know, will happen. And instead of, like, eight guys with guns, it's, like, one dude is like, hey, buddy, what's up? You want to talk about it? Yeah, and, like, I'm sure they, they do deal with minor crimes like pickpocketing, this that sort of thing. But it's, they're generally real minor and real community they're part of their community, and it's a side of police that we don't really have here in the States. And I know the Japanese police as an organization aren't perfect and has their own issues. <laughs> There's, look, yeah, we, we, are, we are not in the business of praising police without equivocation like there's yeah please it's, understand there's always look. an asterisk even when we say hey that's a good idea it's with asterisk because things are so bad but you know seeing this police officer generally wouldn't be the one involved in a case like a violent case like this putting himself at risk and we do see that he was vis visibly injured to some extent and that he did this to take care of his community where people were very clearly scared by what was going on. It had this huge impact on Keitro and what he believes a police officer should be. And that's a really beautiful bit of storytelling. And, and not to take away from that, but also it draws this very interesting distinction of this is what the police should be. Should be. Aspiration from look how heroic all police are they can do no wrong and i appreciate that line being drawn same same because it's it's a hard needle to thread but it's it's one you gotta do because i know that we probably won't get talking too much about how there's bad cops in this in this fictional world and probably not going to talk a ton about all the stuff that we shouldn't let cops do like, you know, decide that murderers should just go free because they know and or understand the feelings of the murderer. Drive. But at the same time, like, there is that through line on how a police officer doesn't make you a good person, not only as embodied in Sakuya, though it is embodied in Sakuya, but also just in the stuff where, like, yeah, Keichiro sometimes gets so obsessed with stopping crime that he forgets to do his job. And, and honestly, like, I had to do a bit of a double take at the top of the show where you mentioned which of these episodes was written by which person, because this whole thing had my head just, just thinking about Ichijo from Kuga, who is an Arakawa creation. And I know that we're doing a lot of Kuga callbacks, both here and in our writer coverage, but um, look, I definitely feel kind of a way about about Kuga and these two series, and uh, there it is. It's good. As as an aside, the police officer in the flashback is played by by Takata Masashi, by Takata Masashi, who is the suit actor for Pod Ichigo. Ah, oh, that's good. 
it closes this really sweet little symbolic circle that I really like, because in a way, by that, Keitro is literally the police officer that he aspired to be as a child. Oh, that is so good. That is lovely. I love that. Because he looked familiar, and I'm sure it's just he's, you know, cameoed in things because he's a regular suit actor. Suit actor, and that's what they do. He's he's been around for a while. He's frequently been the blue uh from Go Kaijar onward. Snap, he was Joe? Yeah, he was Joe. Uh he was Ryuji. Uh he was the blue up until uh Star Ninja. Oh, snap. And he graduated to being the sixth for Star Ninja and Zuo the World. And then last year he graduated into being the Red with Shishi Red, and now he's Padichigo. Yeah, um, he's also real good. Looking back to uh, him being Star Ninja, like, Star Ninja had his moments where he was kind of athletic, and that, that really leads in well for this show. I mean, not as much as, as whoever uh, Lupin Red is, but I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm just so chuffed at that, because that is so sweet. Because, yeah, he's just... He beco- every time he transforms, he becomes the guy he always wanted to be. I don't know if that was intentional. I don't care. That's how I'm taking it. That's beautiful. But I'm I'm picking that one up and keeping it in my pocket. Shifting shifting gears a bit. Dogranio during the fight was really interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> again, he comes really close to running up on Genis, where he's, you know, he's just drinking wine and leaning on the arm of his chair, and he's got kind of his chin in his hand. And it had me worried for a few minutes, because I'm like, is he just going to sit there and, like, is he going to get bored? But while the fight is happening, he always seemed at least interested in what was going on and how it would play out. And he does spend some time complimenting the merits of the plan. Not for nothing. It was a pretty good plan. There's there's bait, a good fake-out. It involves stabbing a cop multiple times in the back when he thinks he's at his most powerful, a.k.a. in the latest upgrade. I mean, we've seen some bad plans in, in all the tokusatsu and really just superhero stuff generally we've seen. This wasn't one of them. It, it doesn't count on the tenacity of the power of friendship, of course, but, I mean, the bad guys can never plan for that because they're jerks. And I mean, even as Togeno is losing, he's Dogranio seems more disappointed than bored. Like, he wants to be impressed. He wants to be excited. He was ready to come out here and see some cool stuff and see this cool plan where they mm-hmm. kill, where they just, like, they kill the cops that are getting in the way. He was all here for it. And then none of that happened. And he's like, this isn't... This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what you told me was going to happen. Like, he wasn't already bored, and it's he's just not easily impressed. And it's not that he's not easily impressed because everyone is so weak compared to him. He clearly believes anyone in his gang could potentially reach his place, but they gotta put in the work for it, and he wants to see them put in that work. Yeah. Which, like, honestly... I appreciate that, because there's that bit where he's just, he's standing up and it's like, all right, we're done here. And he just sort of looks back and points at the chair. It's just, do, do you think I got this chair by playing around, dude? I mean, he doesn't say it exactly like that, but that's the gist. I love that. I mean, this, even if you hadn't 
got the feel for it up till now, this is the bit where it clicks. Because this is about him getting a tribute to his life's work. He spent a lifetime, however long that is for ganglers, I don't know. It is he, clearly... Well, he's turning a thousand. Oh, okay, yeah. He's been at it for a thousand years, and I don't know how long his, his underlings have been at it. Probably not as long. But still, uh, he's been pulling some next-level interdimensional crime, decides he hates this one dimension so much that he asks for it to be annihilated by the many skilled annihilationists he has in his employ so that he can enter his twilight years knowing that his legacy is secure. And I, like, look, is it evil? Yes. Do I understand it on a human level? Yeah. He doesn't want he doesn't want someone to just run up and destroy this thing he spent a thousand years building. Then this showboating so-and-so invites him out to go to the garbage dimension that he hates so much. And in the end, what's this dude got? Excuses. I I don't blame him for walking out. It's just that when the guy turns around and says, Boss, it wasn't supposed to be like this, like, I don't blame him for being like, Alright, we're done. Because I feel like if Dude would have gone out like a champ, at least Agranya would have been like, well, I mean, he was dumb, but, uh, but you know, good guts. on him, good on him. Yeah, exactly. Like, Doganya respects when you come out to play. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't mess around, you take it seriously, and you, and most, more than anything, you don't whine about it. Because this isn't about glory. To me, this isn't about, like, getting getting senpai to notice you. I have noticed you. I came. All you have to do is do the thing. Don't be sorry, just be better. Or, in this case, dead. Also, it gives us a look at how incredibly threatening Dograño actually is. Like, again, go, circling back to Genis, he just sat there for like 46 episodes we're on episode 14 and he barely moved and was able to take out the entire battlefield enemy side and his own side like he was he didn't care like he was ready to go home and was like okay this is me cleaning up so we can leave like that alone is enough to make me scared for when he actually feels like putting in some effort no kidding he's I'm so happy that we have, like, again, it's, Genis is, is such a good point of comparison because, you know, same writer, same, a lot of the same mannerisms, but this guy is just, like, menacing and Kimura learned. Yeah, she Kimura did. was like, okay, this is the kind of villain I want to write. It didn't play out exactly how I wanted last time. What went wrong? Yeah, which, look... I, I can't hate on someone who seems to get, okay, this didn't work, let's fix it. Because I feel like I feel like everyone can have an off characterization, and, and depending on the situation going on, it can and it can really it, get worse. It was, was Komura's first time leading a show. And she took she, everything she learned, she and done... she, she just improved on it a thousandfold. She's killing yeah. it. I'm killing there's, it out there's there. There's a lot of time for stuff to go wrong. I'm not going to pretend I'm not aware of that, but wow, what a... Just, DeGranio just... 
just spinning one of those little things on his shoulders, like, and kaboom. I'm just like, all right. I like this dude. I, I, I like when there's a bad guy team that I can get behind as villains. I couldn't get behind Jenis. Because what's he do? He's just like, eh, dance for me, puppets. I don't actually care. I'm going to do some incredibly traumatic stuff, and then I'm just going to be bored. You said it a lot during Zooger. If he doesn't care, why yeah, should we? But this guy, this guy cares a ton, and all he wants is just just one of these mooks to just tell him, all right, when I die, like, five minutes after I retire, this whole thing I built isn't going to crumble. I spent a thousand years, a not inconsiderable amount of time, building up an international crime empire. Just let me die before you screw it up, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he'll be dead, like, by the end of the series, because that's kind of what happens, but... How it goes. Although I do kind of hope that they have a moment where he gets the, uh, the, the Emperor... I, I forget uh, the Emperor Zangyak's name from uh, Gokaiger. When he's, like, I want to find out that he has, like, a son, and he really loves his kid, but he won't let him be, like, the kid doesn't, he thinks the kid doesn't want in on it, or something like that. Just a son he loves and dotes on and really cares about, and then they kill him because, you know, they, they're like, whoa, another monster. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, and then he's just like, all right, well, now I'm going to murder all of you the most. I just, I love that bit, because... The Emperor in Gokaiger, he loves his son so much. He gave him the, the ultimate warriors. He gave him a giant robot that looks like his son's face. And then they killed his son, and he just comes to Earth and is like, first off, all of you people, why I put all the best people with my kid. Why is he dead? Which of you betrayed me? None of us, sir. All right, well, I guess I'm just going to come in and blow up Earth. I was tired of that garbage planet anyway with all its sentai whatever i'm gonna kill them all why you killed my son and then of course that leads to one of the best lines ever just you know you can't kill me i'm the emperor of the universe yeah go tell it to your kid like ooh, marvelous that's ice cold just because the unspoken parenthetical in hell because he's dead because we killed him like that's the only thing that could make me love Degranio more is if they is if by the end he's just like he has something he wants to get revenge on the the Lupins and or the Pad Rangers for. I mean, I guess just crushing his crime empire would probably be enough. Sorry, I just really like Gokaiger. I mean, fair. also okay to get back on topic because that was a long digression. I'm terribly sorry. Uh, Keichiro is the greatest of all time. I mean. I again, I I am I I much prefer the Lupins just because I like a stylish superhero, but uh, dude is dying from poison halfway into a mountain, and his dying thought, as this evil purple poison overtakes him, is to make sure those children will have their field trip. I mean, what a dude! Like, what a guy! Y'all ever see Red Dwarf? He's Ace Rimmer. He's the yeah, best. He really is. Just, he's just like, well, I'm either I'm pro I might die on my way back out anyway, so I might as well just make sure this happens. Yep. yep. My his dying wish is that some kids, including again one who insulted him to his face, get 
their field trip because he's that dedicated to what he does, and I love it. Never, never before have I seen a red willing to sacrifice so much for so very little. Zero actual yeah, reward. Like, no reward, and again, that like, what is the bad guy's master plan actually done? It's it's the level of Akira in Tokyuger. Like, they might as well have just rained on these kids' parade. But that's not gonna happen while Officer Keiichiro still has still draws breath. You you foul rain monster, you will not you will not spoil their fine day. Like it's that level. I love it. And just he really, really got me with you know, he he brings the vehicles up and he's like, you put the public in danger in order to get to us. And that's just completely unacceptable. He's just, he's such a good dude who takes his job and what his job means so seriously. And it's just so nice after we're still apparently wrestling with the bad taste of cops as heroes that Drive left us with. Yeah, I mean, look, it's kind of hard not to come back to it, though. Because that show... They're both Toei, they're both Tokusatsu, they're both in, in these kind of linked franchises as much as they're still their distinct things, but, like, Drive is a show that talks about cops the way a, a child, or at least, in, let's be real, the way I, as a child, thought the police worked and kind of wanted them to. Like, yeah, they're heroes, and they kill the bad guys, because the bad guys are bad, and they do crimes, before, you know, I got a bit more nuanced appreciation for it because, you know, that's what growing up is for. But it also presented it all in a way that made it hard not to notice. Or rather, it made it hard for me not to feel like it was written by people, by adults. Real adults were really into that paradigm of policing. And that's not cool, because as we've seen in the current sociopolitical moment, boy, there's a lot of cops who just apparently really like just shooting at people they think maybe they might kind of sort of suspect of being bad and the reason they think those people are bad is because they're racist uh the cops not the the people who they are murdering because they're terrible i'm sorry to get that kind of heavy that's um i feel i feel a few ways about uh the the legit about people who have the monopoly on force using it that capriciously. Uh, but, you know, take that idea and then compare it to Pat Ranger, where, yes, look, the bad guys absolutely get killed basically every episode, but the killing isn't the thing they're setting out to do, even as it invariably happens every time. It is framed as what happens because these people keep waving guns around pulling the trigger at random and talking about how fun it is to murder people and look you have to stop that threat i want to say like ooh it's a thin line but it's not uh these people are out there stopping pe stopping other people who are being actively dangerous to other people uh compared to drive where they're hunting down and murdering creatures because they're this one thing they've decided they don't like and that's not a thin line at all. It's not. It's a very, it is a thick line. It is a wide line. And somehow people are still on the hunt down and murder thing. 
the Gengler are a criminal organization of different types of criminal beings from all over, from wherever. Yeah, various dimensions. Because it's a big interdimensional organization. Um, and, you know, people probably come and go from that organization all the time. Yeah, I mean... The Roymude were just, like, 108 people who were trying to figure their stuff yeah, they, out. They were created by God, God abused them, they got out from under God, and then they started to feel some sort of ways. And, I mean, like, they were angry about it, and they're like, well, we're gonna take it out on these other gods. Yeah, who, and then we apparently found out, oh yeah, by the way, God made it so they did that. That was, that was... Goddad iPad made them do that, so you murdered these people who were brainwashed. And, you know, looking between the two groups, the Gangler aren't the ones whose names were on a list the police had before they were even doing anything. Yeah. Like, the, the GPO isn't actively seeking out Gangler. Like, they... The Crush Brothers, they we've never heard them talk about them. They we don't see their pictures up. When they get a when the GPO gets a report of a crime, no matter who is doing it, because they'll go after the Lupin Rangers, they go and deal with it. They probably have files on some number of Gangler because they are actively doing crimes, but they don't have a whiteboard full of pictures of every single one of them talking about, okay, here's how many we can cross off. And here's how many we still, still have. The grossest thing in a show that is real gross. <laughs> I'm still not over it. And I think the thing that I think being able to put it in the context of the global police in loop in you know Lupot, the the police organization of the Pot Rangers, the thing about Drive that strikes me as weird is that even though he's a police officer. Working on the Roymude case from within the police organization, Drive is still a vigilante hiding his identity in order to fight these bad guys that he decides are bad. Which, at that point, why are you framing it using the police to yeah, begin you know, with? That, yeah, because <laughs> that is silly. Just have a vigilante fighting these dudes. Yeah, like, the global police are a public-facing organization. Everyone in town knows who Padichigo is. When he goes up to that kid, that kid knows he's the dude in the red helmet. He knows That's that. Why that kid is he knows who Pat Nigo is. Nails, dude. Sorry. <laughs> like they, everyone knows who Padichigo is. Everyone knows who Pat Nigo is. Who Pat Sango is. It's not a secret. And they have stood as the Pot Rangers in front of the public and been praised for their work, being like, oh man, you, you got all the jewelry back that this guy stole. And Keitra's like, no, but we didn't stop the criminals. We've, we haven't fulfilled our obligation to you. The three of them are publicly accountable for everything they do as the Pot Rangers. While Shinosuke was never really accountable for his actions as Drive to anyone but himself... Or maybe Krim. And that's why they both deserve and who to cares what hole. Krim thinks? Like, it's why, as we continuously bring up, Shinosuke could decide as Drive to let a dude who murdered at least, I think, three I, people? I think, like, murdered three and, like, had a few more brutalized. Yeah, just, and he could, as Drive, decide to just let that guy walk away and not lose his job for it. And 
none none of the pot rangers could do I, that. Least, I bloody hope they won't. Yeah, because that's like they would have they would have to answer to yeah, Hilltop. Yeah. They would have to answer to and the I police. I do not think he would be for that. And I think that sort of public accountability is really important when you're framing the police as your masked superheroes. And I think that's why Drive failed, because he didn't... And why I, you know, I was really interested in it and then got betrayed, because he was never accountable to the public. But it's why the Decca Rangers worked. Everyone knew who the Decca Rangers were. You could just walk... The Gokhydras just walk into Decca Base. Like, it's, it's why G3 worked. It's why Ichijo and Enokido work, and while neither of them are common riders, they've got some very superhuman equipment that they're and working they, with, and Ichijo is supporting the common rider. And there is so much discussion of, okay, you have to be careful with these. You need authorization before you can use these. These things are so deadly. Do not mess around with these. As well, you should. You should not be discharging your weapon willy-nilly. No, and it's it's why all of these past other police-based heroes have worked, and it's why the Pot Rangers work. And it's why you've got Teruhi Ryu in this really... He works within Double, because while he is a police officer, Excel is not an agent of the police. And Kamen Rider Excel is not acting as a police officer. He is not solving police crimes as Kamen Rider Excel. He got that suit from a lady in the woods to deal with his personal problems. But it's why it doesn't work in Excel Returns, where his actions as Kamen Rider Excel are involved with a police case that he's assigned to. Uh, okay. Also, that movie is just written very poorly. Like, I, I can't comment on it, I, I've never seen it, but it, to the larger point you are making, I mean, clearly, I'm I'm in agreement because the trade-off for all that power and respect in the public eye is that you are held to a level of scrutiny that ought to be at least equal to the same kinds of scrutiny as John Q. Public, at the very least. Like it should be honestly a lot higher. I would, I would. Well, I don't know what I'd do. I would be very thankful to hear that more police were held to at least the standard of like me, because. Boy, if I just shot someone, if I just pulled a gun on someone, period, at all, a lot of people would be very upset with me. As they should be. That's not a thing, a good per that's not a thing you should do. But anyway, sorry, I have a lot of feels. Um, but Drive, yeah, it never deals with that. Even after Shinosuke was revealed to be the vigilante. Someone, like, that should have mattered to the plot. Didn't. Anyway, look, I'm not going to pretend, even for, for like conversation, that a Toei Adventure hero is ever going to go to jail for their conduct as a police officer being bad. I wish I could believe it. I know it's not going to happen. I think it, there's a few instances where it definitely should, but, you know, whatever. Um, but even the gestures toward those kinds of public accountability are worth aware that, yeah, if you're going to use the the state's monopoly on violence uh you need to be responsible with it and you need to be accountable for what you do with it that that means a lot to me because yeah that kind of power wielded by state actors without anyone looking over their shoulders is a nightmare and then you get stuff like hey what's up 
I'm Shonosuke, a.k.a. Common Rider Drive. I know you've killed a lot of people, but I see that you feel bad about it, so uh, just go about your business. It's fine. Other officer of the law, I'm totally cool with you just getting away with a really heinous crime. Many people say murder is the worst crime you can do, and you totally did that, and I'm down with it. Like, I'm... Sono, it's been years. There have been actual good common writers in the intervening years. I am still upset. I'm so annoyed. Yeah, there's been, you know, like three of them. You know, it's it's hard for us not to come back to it when we now have another, you know, masked hero group of masked heroes that are police and they're and we're not having the same problems. It's hard not to wanna go back and re examine that and be like okay, we know we had these problems. Why are we not having the same problems here? Yeah, what's, what are the differences, and why do they matter? Because uh, from, a, from a strictly utilitarian point of view, again, the same thing basically happens at the end of every episode. The monster gets murdered. I mean, not murdered, because, you know, the monster, well, murder implies a level of injustice, and, well, they are, at least in Pat Ranger, they are definitely people i understand why they are dead because <laughs> they don't they're clearly not the sort to go quietly but strictly speaking the monster is dead at the end of the episode so why is that why is anything different and it's just like well yeah it is as you said they they aren't we don't have a whiteboard if it's just like all right which of these people do we still need to kill you know they they their priority is protecting the public not murdering the monster and that that changes everything from how how the episodes are structured how the the characters interact how what happens in the episode bends around that intention having all of them up on the board like that when you know dozens of them have yet to appear in the show is that's dozens of them that have yet to commit a crime Yep. That you've already sentenced to death. Where, you know, if there's if there's a gangler in the organization, and this is a pretty common Sentai trope that I'm about to bring up. This is literally Akira. Where if you've got a gangler in the organization that is just, I want out. I've, like, I've done some small crimes and I thought it would be cool to be part of this gang, but I don't actually want to hurt anyone and I want out. Okay, actually, if the seventh ends up being a gangler who's who's, like, flipped and turning state's evidence i'm forced to admit that would be kind of cool like and and the pot rangers are like okay we may we may arrest you because you've you've admitted you've done some crimes but we can maybe you know work out a lighter sentence if you're willing to give us some information because you know you've you've admitted that you haven't done any crimes that have actually hurt people i could easily see all them being like yeah you haven't you haven't hurt people we're not going to just blow you up. You're not you're not out here to commit a murder and, you know, destroy this this dimension cuz your boss thinks it's funny. Like we're willing to work with you. Like I see that in them. Yeah. And that's not how it was in Drive. Again, again in Drive they had that one episode where it's like, "Hey, I guess these Roymute can be good people cuz this one hung- hangs out with our boy Q." And that this Roymute was okay, and then his friends murdered him, and that sucks, but now we're aware that they can be cool. Well, we better murder the rest of them. I mean, that's, that is, 
terrible. That's really awful. Because, oh, because everything before that episode, you can say, oh, well, maybe they aren't aware that the Roymude are, like, actual people, and they think they're an army of just killer robots, and that's all they are, that don't have artificial intelligence, I guess? Because I don't know how you'd avoid, like, hey, these guys sure talk like they're people whenever we run into them, but, but like, I could see that, but after that episode, it's like, no, there's no reason for you to not get that, yeah, all these Roymude are sapient beings who you should probably be arresting instead of murdering. Yeah, you, maybe, you, you know, just, just taking them in and bringing them, bringing them in for some therapy. Yeah, yeah. Just... Like, I'm, I'm not saying the ones who hurt people should not be put on trial, but, like, give them a trial. Yeah, and I mean, like, there's still a bunch that haven't actually hurt people yet. Maybe, like, try and get to them before they do that. Yeah, honestly, Outreach. just, yeah, go on TV. Yeah, if, honestly, if, if the back half of Kamen Rider Drive had been like, look, I know that Goddad iPad is trying to make you do a crime, you don't have to. We don't want you to. We will help you. If, if like, at the end they had become, like, let us protect you from him, and, like, all the monster fights were because the Roy Mute doesn't believe them or has been controlled or something, and they have to, like, fight them to talk them down. Oh, man, that would have been a much better show. Oh, now, yeah. I'm, now I'm even angrier. Because <laughs> they, they, they could have that turning point. There's a way you could do that. And not have it be nonsense. But I'm sure there's also a way that you could have Kiriko never put on the belt that they explicitly say she would be better at. And then ne and just never give her any of the belts they make throughout the series. Oh, what a garbage show. But at, yeah. least, at, least, at least Lupin Ranger versus Pat Ranger is really one of the most fun Sentai I've seen in a while. Man, this is a good show. And somehow really Keijiro, is. a dude so square he's a cube, is, like, my favorite character on the show. And I don't know how that happened. I mean, I do, clearly, because we just talked about it, but... I do adore him deeply. Uh, so then, I think that's our major thoughts on the episode? Any other last-minute Yeah, things? I think so. Alright. No, I think that's, that's really it. Uh, so, hey, responsible police, please. Um, so then, uh, Sona, why don't you, why don't you tell us about the, the bits of the Lupin collection that went in, because I, I missed them. Okay, I actually had to look up 13s, because I didn't recognize it. Um, it is apparently modeled after the Shinobi Scrolls from Kaku Ranger, okay. uh, which I only, I've only seen about 10 episodes of, which is probably, and that was several me. years ago. So that would, you know, explain why I didn't recognize it, but it's fitting, given that 13's Gangler was a Lady Ninja, and their leader is a Lady Ninja. So, fitting. Ironically, 14's is also a ninja tool, uh, being designed after the Ninshuriken in the Ninja which I recognize pretty easily because huh. I I feel like those are pretty pretty easy. I, I admit like I did not make that connection even though I look back on it. Yeah, it is pretty clearly one of those. Weird. Well, whatever. Like, look, here's the thing. Uh, as I've alluded to earlier, like Ninja is not a bad series. It's just also not interest. Like, it slides right off the brain like water off a duck's back. It's there's some good bits, but... 
Yeah, I mean, like, I've been in the shattered remains of a Toys R Us several times recently, uh, so I've seen Ninja Steel toys, uh, which is, you know, probably why I'm like, oh, yeah, that's an Ninja thing, because I've seen sense. them yeah. recently. Man, but... Toys R Us. Yeah. <sighs> Pour one out, man. That's... That is a crying it, it hurts me in my heart that as soon as, you know, Go Busters is happening and I'm gonna there's gonna be all these sweet, sweet Cheetah Nick toys for me to get, that Toys R Us is gone. By Hasbro, yo. People who know a thing or two about making a transforming robot toy. I mean, apparently KB Toys is coming back. Yeah, yeah, that was a surprise, but also makes kinda of sense, because they've they've sort of been bubbling around and I guess they're just like, hey, what's up? 20% of the toy market is now open for the taking. Because I mean, here's the thing. People talk a lot about online shopping at Walmart and stuff. Toys R Us still represented 20%, one-fifth of all the toys sold in America. That is that is not an inconsiderable amount of, of toys, you know? That's a big market. And... Yeah, I'm, I'm glad something's going to step in, because, I mean, like, you know, we all talk about how cool it is living in the internet age. The internet's actually not great if you don't know where to go, because there, there's a million advertisements for a million things, and no one knows which one of them is true. Um, I'm a big bad toy store partisan, and if BBTS wants to sponsor this show, I would be down with that. I would gladly have a thing like, hey, what's up? Hasbro's Power Ranger Corner featuring Aleph talking about Hasbro, whatever. I don't care. I just yeah. I mean, give look, me free toys. I will. I will gladly talk about them Cheetah Nick toys mm -hmm. if you want to pass them my way. But um, so then uh, I think we're to our predictions section, and uh, do we have any big ideas about what's going on in the show for the future? Toys got to stop poisoning everyone. <laughs> They gotta cut that out. Yeah, a lot of poison lately. I until stop, stop shoving poison into my guys. Yeah, until you mentioned it, I hadn't really made the connection of of how much poison there was. But yeah, there's a lot of poison lately. So, uh... um, but I, I mean, mostly it's uh, like we mentioned at the top. I assume that within the next three to five episodes, we'll be meeting our new addition or additions to the team or teams. And, you know, while I'm curious as to what they could do and how they could do it, I hope it doesn't throw off the very delicate balance of this show that Komura has somehow really managed to get down really well. Yeah, which I, I'm so glad she did, because this is such an ambitious show. Honestly, it's the second year of really ambitious shows, because yeah. Q-Ranger was not, you know, was not perfect, but at least it, it was a big idea. This one, also, this one honestly is a bigger idea, because every episode gotta have all these things. Yeah, like you said, she has nailed it, and I, it's an impressive juggling act, and I, I really want her to keep going with it. I don't want it to get messed up, because it does feel like such a delicate balance. Um, I don't really have any predictions myself, other than, like, I, I hope, I hope Keiichiro is okay. I really love that dude. Stop poisoning my boys. Yeah. Which I think that's that's it for us this week, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Alright then, so for Laser Knees and the rest of the TOOL network, which again is really just us. Us. I'm Ayla. And I'm Sono. 
and don't get kicked by a horse and die.